You know, almost every generation, I suppose, has one of those, where were you at moments, you know. Uh, and for those of you, there's a few of you left. There's some of you here who are old enough who maybe can remember where you were at on December 7th, 1941. And you remember the accounts of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Others of us, not quite that old. Some of you may remember where you were when you heard that John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. We're getting a few more shaken of the heads. I was alive, but barely, so I don't remember that. We talked last week a little bit about the moon landing, the 50th anniversary. And some of us remember, and now I'm including myself, some of us remember where we were when we saw Neil Armstrong walk on the surface of the moon. Many of us remember where we were when the exploded, the space shuttle, Challenger, exploded, and what that meant to us. And then for most of us in here, it's hard for me to believe that many of these over here may not, won't remember, but we remember where we were on September the 11th, 2001. When those planes came into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and the one that crashed in Pennsylvania. And I'm sure you, like me, were filled with a lot of emotions. Uh, Shock would have probably been one of the first ones. And then perhaps fear. What's next? And then as we learned a little more and more, it perhaps became anger. But I know that one of the feelings that came over me, one of the emotions that came over me was realization. You see, I had, I was over there at the house and Kenya had on the news and she said, look, a plane has struck the World Trade Center. Some of you remember I was in New York just a week prior to this. But anyway, that's side the point. And at that point, nobody knew exactly what had happened. There were reports it was a small plane. There were reports, you know. And so everybody assumed that it was an accident. And so I'm watching and on live TV, like maybe many of you, I see that second plane coming around the corner. And crashing in to the second tower. Now I'm, I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, Okay. And I've mentioned this before, some of you. When I saw that plane initially come around the corner, in my mind, this is what went through my mind. This is how dumb I am. I thought to myself, it's one of those big tankers. You know that they use to drop water on forest fires? That's what I thought for a brief moment when I saw it come around. I thought they're going to try to drop water on that first fire. And then all of a sudden it exploded. And what struck me as odd, because I guess I just am naive or whatever, is that immediately after the second plane hit the tower, every commentator said this is terrorism. And I was like, what? Terrorism? That, well, that can't be. They must be mistaken. And within hours of the attack, the name Osama bin Laden 
was all over the news. And the realization that came to me at that moment was there are people out there who hate us as Americans. Now, I kind of always knew that, you know. Again, those of us old enough, we remember the bombing of the, 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 the Barrett Beirut. And we remember the bombing of the USS Cole and the original bombing of the World Trade Center some 10 years before that. You know, and, and, but that was all over there. That, that, it was those people over there that hated us. And they can't get to us. And then they did. I don't know if you've ever had somebody who hated you. My guess is there's a whole bunch of people in here who have never really had somebody just hate them. I don't know. Don't raise your hand now. But I don't know, recalling in my life that I can really remember anybody who just absolutely hated me. Now, I knew there were people who didn't like me, who didn't care for me. But to absolutely, literally hate me. I, I don't recall that. But Jesus is with his disciples in that upper room. And he's already washed their feet. He's already uh, established the Lord's Supper. He's talked about going to prepare a place in heaven. And as we talked about last week, saying that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And now he wants to prepare his disciples even more. And in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates the father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify before you have been with me, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Jesus is warning his disciples. We've talked about this a lot. 
You know, there are some out there who would teach that when we become Christians, that when we become followers of Christ, that our world is going to all of a sudden be peaches and cream. God is going to take care of all of our problems. God is going to take care of everything. Nothing going to be, be, but be joy and happiness and peace as the world defines it. And so many leave Christianity. So many abandon their faith because that's what they believe. And then all of a sudden when hardships and struggles and trials and persecution and all these things come up, they're shocked by it. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought God promised. So I'm just going to give up. God hasn't been faithful. God hasn't kept his promises. Well, all we need is to go back to John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am warning you. 14 and 15. I am warning you so that you will not be shocked. You will not be surprised when the world hates you. It hated me first. And we might say, why all this negativity? Why talk about Judas' betrayal, Peter's denial, his own death, and now this in the same conversation? Remember that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's telling them the truth. He wants them to be prepared. The first thing that we have to realize and what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that the world hates us. Why did, what did Jesus mean by the world? Well, in a sense, he means the people of the world. There's people out there that hate us. The plans of the world, the activities of the world, the morals of the world, the values of the world. The priorities of a society not based on God. We need to remember that there is a sense in which this world is Satan's domain. Now God is ultimately in control. And Satan is not greater than God. But Satan has power here. And he is in a sense in control here. And he hates God. And as God's followers, he hates us and therefore everything that has to do with this world is in contrast to God and the world therefore then hates us notice the progression that Jesus talked about the world is going to hate you the world is going to persecute you the world is going to excommunicate you talking specifically about the Jews they're going to kick you out of the synagogue and then they're going to kill you And in killing you, some of them are going to say that they are doing a service to God. We need to come to the realization that the world hates us. I don't want to do that. How many of you grew up in a home where you just weren't allowed to use the word hate? You know, I remember that you can't, you know. Especially if you're talking about your brother or sisters, right? You know, I hate you. you. We don't hate in this house. I'm like, well, then I'll go outside. You know, because right now she's just really on my nerves. And that word is so strong. 
But we need to come to that realization. Different societies are in different stages of this hate. Or at least the manifestation of it. We need to know that even a good society without God hates us. Sorry you younger people, but we've talked about the, us older people. And especially those of you who are, have more age on you than me. There's getting to be fewer and fewer of you. But anyway. You know, I grew up feeling that the world was on our side. The TV shows were clean and wholesome. Andy Griffin, Gomer Powell, whatever, you know, Father Knows Best. You know, all those kinds of shows. And the values that I was taught at church were the values that I was taught at school. And if I wasn't taught them at school, they were understood at school. And the values that my parents shared were the same values that our neighbors shared and, and the community shared and our society shared. And we got lulled in this false sense of security that the world is on our side. And then we woke up one day and it had all changed. The entertainment was totally different. What was accepted in society was totally different. What was taught in schools was totally different. Everything was totally different and we were outraged. Okay, it's okay to be outraged. But we should not have been shocked. We shouldn't have been shocked. Because, the G, because Jesus said the world hates you. The world hates you. I believe that Satan allowed that period in this country. I believe it was all Satan's doing. That's just me. Okay, I believe Satan allowed for that period within our country so that we could we as Christians could kind of be lulled into a false sense of security and forget that we don't belong to this world and forget that the world hates us. And then all of a sudden, like the crocodile coming out of the water, getting the poor little whatever it is, wildebeest, you know, drinking up just... All of a sudden, the world was against us. But we need to understand and we need to know that the world is, the world does hate us. And to us, doesn't that seem ridiculous? Why would the world hate a system that has as its core teachings things such as honesty, morality, loving each other, service to others, the sanctity of life, treating others as you would want to be treated. And you and I may sit here this morning and think, why on earth would anybody be against that? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Jesus kind of explained it a little bit. And he said, first of all, the world hates us because we are identified with Christ. We are identified with Jesus. Jesus knew the hate of the world, specifically his own people. The disciples had seen it, that experienced some of it. 
But soon the hatred expressed toward Jesus would be expressed entirely on them. See, Jesus is a polarizing figure. We talked about it a little bit last week. When Jesus says, I am the way. Not a way. Not one of many ways. I am the way. No one comes to the Father. But through me. And that becomes polarizing. And because we follow Jesus. The world is going to hate us like it hated him. So as the master was hated, so the servants will be hated. As the teacher was hated, so too the students. As the leader was hated, so too the followers. Because Jesus also said, the world hates us because we are not of this world. Through Christ, we've been translated out of this world into another world. We still live here, but we are not from here. Joe David, in the class that he had for the the teens and the Camp Deer Run staff, talked about change and how we are transformed and we are changed through Christ. And when we are changed and when we are transformed, we are transformed out of this world. We no longer belong to this world. We don't think the same way. We don't act the same way. We don't speak the same way. And because we're not of this world anymore, the world doesn't like us. The world doesn't understand it. The world hates us. We no longer endorse or accept or participate in the things of this world. We have been transformed. I like this, you know. It's not just that we are out of step with the world. We are out of place in this world. I've always felt that a kind of a good barometer as to how I'm doing spiritually is ask myself the question, how well do I fit in in this world? How comfortable am I in this world? If we just really fit in with the world around us, if we're just really comfortable in our world and our society, then maybe, maybe we're not living exactly as God would want us to live. Because he has called us to be different. He has called us out of the world. You remember in the Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy and Toto. They go through the whole, you know, tornado thing or whatever. And the house is going, you know, and, and I always like that. You know, the the first part of the movie is in black and white. Remember that, you know, when she's in Kansas and all that, you know, it's in black and white. And then we go through the tornado and all that stuff. And she ends up in Oz and all of a sudden everything is in color. Now for us people, that doesn't mean much because... TV, for the most part, has always been in color, except when I was a little kid. But for those of you who maybe are old enough to remember when it first came out, that was like one of the first color, and whoa, that would have been, whoa, color, whoo! And apparently it freaked Dorothy out, too. Because you remember what she said? 
We're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) You think Dorothy felt a little out of place? She knew she kind of didn't belong there. She knew this was all kind of weird. That's kind of how we ought to feel in this world. Because we don't belong to this world anymore. Thirdly, he says the world is going to hate us because the world does not know God. We cannot expect anything less from the world. Morality and values apart from God are simply temporary and band-aids. They make make things better or easier, but they won't make things better and they won't make things permanent. The answer to what ails our society is not laws and is not statutes. Although those are fine. The answer is the gospel. The answer is bringing others to Christ. The answer is not legislation. The answer is teaching our neighbors and our friends and our society about God. And bringing them to Christ. And allowing them to experience the change that we've experienced. That is what God calls us to do. And unfortunately, Jesus reminds us here that for most of the world, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Fourthly, he says the world hates us because the world just likes itself. The world just likes sin. It likes, you know, what sin has to offer. Not realizing the consequences, whether temporal or eternal. They just kind of like what's going on. And Satan's no idiot, right? Satan, Satan packages it all up so that it looks wonderful. It looks pleasurable. It looks joyful and good and all those kinds of things. Because that's what Satan does. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. And the Satan does not want, excuse me, the world does not want anything to do that is going to cast a, a shadow or, or a negative aspect on what the world is doing. Well, you're just judgmental. You're narrow-minded. You're bigoted. Well, we didn't say any of that. We didn't say that's That's what you say about us. All we're trying to do is share with you the gospel of Jesus. And present to you an alternative that offers eternal salvation. Jesus says the world will hate us. They refuse to see the consequences of such life. They refuse to see the eternal consequences. They refuse to see a cure for a disease they do not think they have. Years ago... Before we had, before, you know, when you get to a certain point, when you get old like this, you, you have doctors and you have specialists and you got to go to all these different, but when you're young, you don't think about it. You don't have a doctor. I remember when we first moved here, we didn't have a doctor, doctor, you know, 
We didn't go to the doctor. We didn't get sick. If we did, we just, you know. And there was a doctor over in Hugh Springs. And we called him the drug doctor. Because if you went to him, he was going to prescribe something. And we were, I was kind of the point. I was kind of like, I never went to the doctor until it was to the point I wanted something prescribed. So I would go over to the drug doctor. And one day I was in there and I don't know why. He took a blood test. And he tells me, your cholesterol is out the roof. You're going to have to, and he puts me on, you know, I don't remember what it was at the time, Lipitor, I think. He says, and you're going to take this, you know, you're going to take this the rest of your life. And I left there and I said, I don't believe him. He's not a real doctor anyway. He's just the drug doctor I go to when I got a cold. (laughs) And so, you know, all you old people up here. Back in the day, everybody used to go down to internal medicine down there in Longview. Dr. Flory, I remember that name. Norman, I think, went to Dr. Flory. And I said, all right, I'm going to go to a real doctor. Don't trust a drug doctor. I'm going to go to a real doctor. Well, I couldn't get into Dr. Flory because he wasn't taking new patients. So I got into this young doctor. I go in there and I walked in that waiting room. Now, you talk about not belonging. There were all the mature people. Here I am, I was, you know, probably early 30s maybe. By far the youngest person in the waiting room. And so I go in and they did, they'd already done blood tests and everything. And I see this doctor and he says, why are you here? I said, because, you know, this quack over there, he told me. I was going to have to be on cholesterol medicine the rest of my life. And he said, that quack was quacking right. (laughs) He said, I have never seen cholesterol this high. (laughs) I'm going to write you up, put you in a journal. You absolutely are going to be on cholesterol medicine the rest of your life. But see, I refuse to believe it. And the world refuses to believe that it has the illness for which we have the cure. So what do we do? The world hates us. Do we separate ourselves from the world? Yes. And no. Spiritually, yeah. We keep ourselves pure. And we separate ourselves from the world. But physically, no. Jesus did not call us to build monasteries up somewhere and to go off and isolate ourselves from the world. Why? Because then how will the cure get out? How will the cure get out? Jesus did not say, you are the light. He said, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. That means you've got to be in the world. You've got to be on the earth. Mixing it up. So this morning, I just want us to remember... Jesus' words, to not be shocked when the world hates us and to understand it's because we are like him. The world hated him. The world is going to hate us. If you're here this morning, there's some way we can help or encourage you. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. 
We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.